You are listening to the sermon podcast of Connection Church, a gospel-centered community on a mission to make much of Jesus in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. For more information, visit SiouxFallsConnection.com. Thank you for listening. Wow, what what an honor uh, to be here today. In fact, it's very uh, emotional in many ways for me because uh, when we uh, planted our church, uh, we didn't know that being a church planting church was two jobs. So we're like, oh yeah, we'll do that. That sounds really biblical and missional. And then we started doing it. And by the grace of God, uh, we were able to be a part of several church plants. And it's really easy to plant a church when you have the right people to do so. And you guys have the incredible family that helped uh, do this here. And so I don't know if you know how amazing your pastor and his family are, but you you are blessed. And so I just say, let's, let's uh, show our appreciation to the lands this morning for what, who they are and what they do for you because they moved, they moved here so that God could do something like this. And so we give all glory to God, but we know that God uses people to do his work. And so we're very, uh, I'm very honored to call them friends and uh, to just be here this morning. And so this is an incredible honor for me. Thank you so much for letting me be here today uh, and uh, to just celebrate with you as you guys uh, just come into eight years. It's really incredible uh, to do that. I'm, I'm going to ask you if you have your Bible to turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. Uh, I just want to take a few minutes this morning to encourage you. In fact, there is a phrase I would love to put into your mind and your heart today, and that is that our God is able. In fact, I want you to participate a little bit this morning with me, if you don't mind, and just say that with me. Would you just say, our God is able? Okay, let's say it together. Our God is able. And if that is true, then that changes the narrative of who we are, what we're doing, and how we live. So, I'm jumping into the middle of a story this morning, which is not how I prefer, but as I prayed about what God would have me share this morning, I was reminded about this, um, this story in Daniel chapter 3, and there's several characters in here uh, that, that have, have shown incredible courage in the midst of adversity. And so there, there are several characters in this story today that I, I want you to, to understand, but three of them are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they actually have been captured and taken into slavery. Uh, they, they were not doing on, this on their own, but instead of uh, being negative about it, they decided, in the, in the place I am, I'm going to try to honor God with my life and do the things that God would bless me to, to do and to be. There, there is also a character of King Nebuchadnezzar, and, and he, is a, he is a guy who who can't figure out who he wants to worship. And, and he's gone, gone back and forth. And if you know this story, he flips back and forth. In fact, at the end of Daniel chapter 2, it seems like maybe he's even considering following God. And we're going to step into the story in Daniel chapter 3 today and figure out that he doesn't know what he's doing and he can't figure out what's happening. And then there's this group of haters, okay? So in 2022, we really can identify with this group. They would all be on Twitter and they would all be like hating on everybody, okay? And so that's kind of the story. And at the end of chapter 2, as King Nebuchadnezzar begins to feel like, we feel like maybe he's getting it, maybe he's going to begin to lead the nation that he leads towards God. 
The next thing you know, in Daniel chapter 3, he builds a 90-foot statue of himself. So didn't look like it really clicked with him. And so he is uh, bringing this one religion together that's centered about, around him. So I don't know uh, how much more um, off you could be than to build a statue of yourself uh, than, than uh, that. So that's kind of where we jump into Daniel chapter 3. And so I just want to begin to kind of walk through this this morning and let's look at this story. Daniel chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth was 6 cubits, and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Babylon. And then King Nebuchadnezzar sent together, uh, together the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all of the officials of the providences to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And then the satraps, prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the providences gathered uh, for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And as they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the heralders uh, proclaimed loudly, you are commanded, O peoples and nations and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you were to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the people, peoples and nations and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So there's this announcing of new, uh, new, a new religion. And in this passage, I just have to warn you, there's these two lists that repeat each other. And I'm just going to say the crew and the band, so I don't have to read it every time, all right? So like, there's this, there's this thing that he decides to do is that I'm going to not only create this religion, but I'm going to force everybody to be a part of it. And so if you don't do that, then I'm going to kill you. That's Now, I don't know what you think motivation looks like, but I mean, that's pretty motivating. You've got to make a decision. And so he gathers all of the movers and the shakers in the nation, and then everybody else is there. And he says, when you hear the band play, then you have to bow down. Now look at verse 8. Therefore, at the time, certain... Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. These are the Twitter people, okay? These are the ones who are like tweeting bad tweets about everybody and they're just, they never would say it in public, but really what they are is jealous because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that are about to come into the story again, they got high places of authority because of their faithfulness to God, but their willingness to do their best. So they are literally slaves. They cannot go to what they would call home. And instead of trying to just be mad about their situation, they decide, you know what? God has put me in this place for a purpose, and I'm going to do my best. And because of that, they had risen in authority and power in the kingdom of King Nebuchadnezzar. And this group of Twitter followers, they really are haters. They, they really hate these people, these three guys, and they're, they're trying to honestly make them look foolish or get them in trouble so that they will lose their jobs. Now look at verse 9. And they declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every person who hears the band, okay, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship 
shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And there are certain Jews, certain Jews. Now, that's like, I mean, they are like emphasizing those people whom you have appointed over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So they're using some very specific language. And if you think that racism has been created in the last hundred years, you're a fool because it's been going on since the beginning of time. These people hated these Jewish men because of who they are and where they had come from and what they looked like. And they wanted to try to destroy them. This is filled with, with hatred. This is filled with jealousy. And they want to take them down. Look at verse 13. And then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men's men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, it is, true, o is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the band, uh, then worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall be immediately cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is God? Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? So this is just packed with so much. But, but Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, is furious. He essentially has his executive team who he feels like is turning on him. He feels like, you, I, I sent this down, this is an order from on high, you have to do what I say. When you're a king, you, just, you assume that everybody's going to do everything you tell them to do. And, and so he brings them in, he just cannot believe. After everything I've done for you, you're not going to obey me? You're not going to follow my commands? He is furious, but then he does what he did not have to do. He actually offers them the opportunity for redemption. He gives them a second chance and says, if you'll just bow down, then we'll just wipe this off and we'll be okay. Otherwise, you're going to have to pay the price. Look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, and this is important, he said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able. Our God is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Whew. You think that was a tense moment? <laughs> I mean, can you feel the tension in the air? When they say these words to him, as, as they begin to, to essentially make a stand and say, we, we will not bow. We're not confused. It's not like we didn't understand what you said. It's not like we didn't hear your words. But take notice, we will not be bullied. We will not be bribed. We will not be cajoled into changing our minds. We are resolved that we will stand with God no matter the circumstances. So church, if I can encourage you this morning, we live in a time when we are asked to bow. We live in a time where we are encouraged to turn away from God and turn to the ways of the world. My question for you this morning is, are you bowing? Are you giving up 
Because when we think about the difference between serving God and serving the world, if we're going to choose God, then there's going to be some moments that are going to be awkward. There's going to be some things that we have to say and some things that we have to do. Not that we're trying to hurt people or not that we're trying to offend, but I'm just telling you the gospel is offensive. I'm a follower of Jesus. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I'm just telling you the gospel offends me at times because I am a sinner in need of grace. And oftentimes I find myself in need of forgiveness, regularly actually, <laughs> where the gospel, it, it's, it, it offends. And if we're going to stand up for God, then we have to do and say some things that are not comfortable at times. I found these two quotes that I think are helpful for us as, as we think about this. One, one, one writer said this, If we are controlled by the word, then we will respond with conviction. If we are controlled by the world, then we will respond with compromise. Another pastor said this. He said, if, we, if I please Jesus, it does not matter whom I displease. But if I please displease Jesus, it doesn't really matter whom I please. If we decide that we're going to try to please everybody, you know that's not possible, right? We should teach that like in kindergarten, first day. Like, you know you can't make everybody happy. It's impossible, but we live as if that is possible. We live as if we can just if we can just make everybody happy. I mean, I love to be liked. I love to be loved. I don't like to be hated. I got some people, I, I have a list of people, I don't have a real list, but I like mentally I have a list of people who will never send me a Christmas card. Like they just don't like me. There's something that happened in our lives, some conflict, some issue. Uh, had to, as a leader, I may have had to make a decision that was hard. And I'm telling you, like if I was on fire, they would probably throw gasoline on me. I mean, it's that kind of a relationship, right? You cannot make everybody happy. It's not like I'm trying to offend people, but I'm just telling you, it's impossible, especially if you're going to live for Jesus. It's impossible for you to make everyone happy because serving God it is a full-time commitment. It's something that we have to do every single day. But if you're going to serve the world, it will mean continual compromise. Jesus says we can't live in, in both worlds. There's, there's not a middle road. And so as these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were faced with the decision of will I serve God or will I bow to the king, they knew Something had to change. They knew that even though we're the only ones, we cannot bow. Because they understood that God was sovereign over all of creation. Not King Nebuchadnezzar. That no matter what this king says, I must follow after God. Because God is greater than any king, any other God, any other power or conviction. That God is the greatest and we must follow Him. But serving God means paying a price. But disobeying God also means paying a price. Because I believe as they're making this decision, deep within their heart is this passage of Scripture from, the, from God's law. Listen to this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 and following. He, this is God's commandment to His followers. 
You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow, bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the father to the third and fourth generation of all those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments." Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, you can ask me to bow, but I know what the truth is. That if I bow in this moment, I'm really turning on the most important thing in my life, and that's my relationship with God. That's my commitment to Him. Because serving the world means there is a price to pay. You see, the king couldn't believe it. If you're a king, you live in a world where everybody serves you. If you're a king, you live in a world where, where what you say happens. And so in verse 14, you see as he kind of has this moment like, can this really be true? Are you, have you guys lost your minds? Because what you're telling me is that you, you're really not going to bow even though I'm telling you that you're going to die. Are you really giving up on all the success, the money you're making, the power, the position that you have to follow this religious thing that you have in your life? Is this real? How can you do this? How can you be willing to die? And that's what I love about the conviction of these three young men that really is inspiring for me because they, they essentially say, listen, we hear you, but you're not the most important thing, which is not the words that a king wants to hear. You're not the most important thing. Your words don't matter the most because verse 17, they say, our God is able. Like they really believed that if, if, this is what, if this is the path that God has for me, I can step into a fiery furnace and not burn. That was the words they say. If you look back in verse 17, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever been in a fiery furnace? Fiery furnace? I, I mean, I haven't. Like, I'm, I'm honestly not sure that I want to test that, right? I'm like, hey, it might work out. But they're, they're like, we believe in God so much and his power that you can throw us in the fire. And we will not bow because our God is able. So you and I may need some encouragement in that. Now, most of us probably not going to be thrown into a fiery furnace, okay? But Whatever your political beliefs are, I just don't think they're like building those for us as followers of Jesus right now. So I, I don't think that's about to happen to us. But what we do have to think about is how the culture wants to burn us to the ground. Because you know that our culture hates Christians. Our culture is pushing farther and farther and farther into our world to try to get us to bow down and to give up. So we may need some help. Listen to these verses that I hope are encouraging to you. Do you need help with grace? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. What about overcoming temptation? Hebrews chapter 2 says this, For because he himself has suffered when he, he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. What about in salvation? Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. 
2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, ver- excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, I know in whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. There's, there's a lot of things I don't know, but there is one thing that I do know. We can trust God. We can believe because our God is able. And so when these three young men said, we will not bow, our God is able, we can stand on the truth of what they did. We can stand on the truth of what they said. And in verse 18, that they even sealed the deal. Because <laughs> they said, even if it costs us our lives, we still believe in God. Now, this is incredible courage. This is incredible faith. It reminds me of what Job said in Job chapter 13. Job was a character in the Bible who literally lost everything in his world. He lost his family. He lost his possessions. He lost his wealth. And he said, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. You see, we we get caught up in the materialistic part of our world and we begin to believe that that is the thing that we should live for. And I want you to know that all of that stays here. When you die, you take none of it with you. Absolutely nothing. So it really doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank, how much success you have in this world. It will all stay here. The only thing that matters is your relationship with God. In the book of Esther, I'm just inspired by that story every time I read it, where she stands and says, I must stand for my people to be rescued, to be helped, to be uh, saved. And she said, if I perish, I perish. So these guys, these three guys who, who literally could have just bowed and all of this went away, they said, we will not bow because our God is able. But even if it costs us our lives, we will stand with God. Look at verse 19. And Nebuchadnezzar was, was filled with fury. You can translate that however you want to. He lost his mind. And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he ordered the furnace heated to seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. And then these men who were bound in their cloaks and their tunics and their hats and all their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace because of the king's order was urgent and the furnace was overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. And he declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, but I see what? What does your Bible say? Four. I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. The men that threw Jesus in were like the special forces of the nation. The biggest, toughest, mightiest warriors 
The fire was so hot that they died at the door. And then as, as the men are thrown in, they literally fall in. And then there's a fourth. Now I don't know about you, but in this world, it's very easy to feel abandoned. It's very easy to feel alone. It's very easy to feel persecuted. It's very easy to feel like nobody knows what's going on in my world. It, it's probably not in comparison to fiery furnace that's going to cost us our life, but the darkness of depression, the challenge of anxiety, the, the losses that we feel in our world sometimes can be very, very overwhelming. So when I read these verses at the end of this chapter, they're inspiring for me. Because as these three men stood up and they said, Our God is able. We will not bow. We will stand no matter what it takes. As they step into the fire, Jesus is with them. In that moment, God is with them. Psalm 23 says that when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that He is with us. Now what could have happened is they could have burned up. Nobody would have thought anything about it. It actually would have been a, a notch on King Nebuchadnezzar's belt. He would have thought, I told you so, I was right. And in this moment, like he is caught off guard. He said, did we not throw three in? Now I see four. And the fourth looks like he says the son of gods because he doesn't know that it is the son of God. Because there is little G gods and there is a big G God, only one big G God. And in this moment, what happens is the son of God steps into the fire with them. And here's what I believe, is that God will step out of heaven to rescue. How do I know that? Because that's the gospel. You see, we just celebrated Easter, and I want you to know, if you celebrate Easter one Sunday a year, then you're missing out because he is risen today. <laughs> it makes a difference in our life today. And Jesus didn't do that because he had to, he did that because he wanted to. He didn't die for you because of an obligation. He died for you because of an incredible love for the whole world. So God will step out of heaven to rescue. God will go above and beyond the call of duty. He will do whatever it takes because of his love for you. So when I read these words, it gives me courage. It gives me, it gives me hope that I am not alone. Look at verse 26. And then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out of here. <laughs> come, in, come, out of, come out and come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from out of the fire, and the, and the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire was on them. I don't know if you guys have ever been around fire, but like smoke is everywhere around a fire, right? Have you ever been around a fire and not smell like smoke? 
And here they were in the hottest fire imaginable. And there's no burns, there's no smell. I, I mean, I don't even think they're warm. Like, I'm not even sure they're even sweating. That's my own personal thoughts. But, but here, I mean, they threw them in and now they walk out and it's like not even a stitch of clothes is even singed. See, God in that moment wrapped his arms around them. There, there is a, there's an Old Testament picture of God uh, wrapping his arms around his people. The priests would wear robes meant to show a visual reminder of the presence of God, and part of that was just wrapping around and covering those whom God loves. So God does more than just give them salvation, does more than just take them out of that moment, but he actually protects them in a way they never could have even thought. Look at verse 28. And Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's a little bit different than the language earlier, right? <laughs> who has sent his angel and has delivered his servants who trusted in him and has set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree... Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. This guy's like violent, okay? Like fiery furnaces, and let's just rip them apart. And their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. And then, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the providence of Babylon. Not only, did, I mean, it's like flipped again like King Nebuchadnezzar probably needs some medication like he's got some sort of issue that he just can't he's he's back and forth but in this moment he's like if you talk about their God then you're 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 going to be torn limb from limb we're going to burn your house down like crazy violence here but but in this moment I think he recognizes once again that there is only one God it's the God of all creation, and it's a God over all the pagans' uh, uh, idols that they had worshipped. And, and, and we, are I mean, we hope in this moment that maybe the king is having a change of heart. I won't spoil the story. You can read the rest of it yourself and make your own decision. But here's what I want to encourage you with today. Is that God will stand. God's name will be lifted up. God's name will be praised. That you can build a 90-foot statue and it doesn't really matter. You see, our world wants to try to build idols. We don't, we don't think of it that way, but I just want you to think about the things in your life that you worship. Think about the things that in your life that take priority over your relationship with God. You see, we wouldn't, we wouldn't say, hey, I got, I got like six idols in my house, like a little wooden statue that sits on a shelf, and like we offer sacrifice. We, we would never say that, but I'm just telling you, we have idols in our life that take priority over God. And I'm just going to tell you that God's name will be praised. God's name will be lifted up. God's name will be honored. In fact, the, the Bible tells us that if we do not praise him, then the rocks will cry out. And I don't know about you. But I don't want this creation to do my job. So in this moment, as we begin to think about what does it mean for us, I challenge you to take the, the words of courage from these three young men who said, we will not bow because our God is able. And I want to encourage you with a few things as I close this morning. 
I want to encourage you to stand for the right thing. Now, the world wants to define what right is. We live in a, we live in a, a culture that says you define what's right for you. I just want you to know that goes against everything the Bible says is true. We cannot decide what is right. You know you can't trust you, right? Like, look at your neighbor and say, you can't trust you, right? I mean, do you, you know that, right? Now look at your second choice and go, you can't trust you either, right? And they were your second choice because you picked the other one, right? <laughs> right? You can't trust you. So how can you trust you to decide what's right? You see how crazy that is? Like our world wants to say, well, we'll just decide today what's right, and the next week we'll redefine what is right. Listen, this is what is right. This is what is true. And this is our standard. And so I want to encourage you, as difficult as it becomes, as much as you feel like you're under persecution because of your belief and stance on God's Word and your relationship with God, I want to encourage you to stand. Secondly, I want to encourage you to live in a way that people see Jesus in you. We don't need any under, undercover believers. <laughs> we got plenty of those walking around. What we need are people who are willing to live out their life for Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean, I don't know what you came up, how you grew up, but I was kind of taught when I was growing up that if you love Jesus enough, you carried this really thick Bible around and you like handed out weird tracts that had cartoons in them and it made me uncomfortable and like everybody else uncomfortable. I'm not talking about weird Christianity. I'm talking about real Christianity of loving Jesus with all of your heart and that spilling out into how you live and how you love people. See, you... Some of you are just weird. It doesn't matter that you're a Christian or not. But I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, like, we, some of us have a lot of head knowledge and even some things that are going on in our heart, but we don't ever live it out in our lives. And if you want to make a difference that's going to matter for the kingdom of God, then you've got to live out what has happened in your heart and in your life. My wife is sitting over here, and we've been married almost 28 years, uh, right, this year? Okay, we'll make sure, because this is like being recorded, everything is always being recorded everywhere, right? We have two great kids that we love and we're super proud of. You stand around me long enough, I'm going to talk about my family, and I love my family, and I am blessed to be a part of a great family. I even love the rest of my family most of the time. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I am really blessed, but that's not the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like, I love that we live in Colorado. I mean, we just moved to the place where I look west and I see the Rocky Mountains. I mean, if you're having a bad day, I just look west and like it's beautiful and amazing. And I love where we live. And I've been on a journey of watching God not only allow us to plant one church, just a bit, but, but to be a part of planting other churches. And now we're planting a church again. And I just feel like honored that God would allow us to do that and be a part of that. But none of that's the best thing that's ever happened to me. The best thing that's ever happened to me is Jesus. And yet, what do I talk about the most? What do I share with people the most? So I want to encourage you to live in a way that people see Jesus in you. And so that means that you need to learn how to share Jesus with your neighbors, with your friends. Listen, I know what COVID has done, and we all like, like we went internal. But I'm just telling you, now is the perfect time for you not to be focused inward and to be focused outward. Here's what the Bible says, Romans chapter 12. 
It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve the will of God, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Can I just encourage you, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Here's what's amazing, and I think we've already forgotten it. At the beginning of the pandemic, if you were paying attention, God slowed us all down. And now statistics tell us that we are busier than we were before the pandemic. Do you think that God maybe stopped the world on purpose just 18, 24 months ago? And did we ignore that? Have we gone right back to where we were? Or did some things reset in your heart and your mind that should have reset? Are you listening? Because we don't need to conform to the pattern of this world, but we need to transform, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, we need to be open of what God wants to change in us to be more like him. So let me close this morning with three specific challenges. The first one is to Connection Church. Like for me to stay on the stage, Jonathan, is... I can't look at you, bro. <laughs> is overwhelming. Because I know what God is doing here is transforming lives through the power of the gospel. Like salvation and discipleship and marriages and individuals and people being missional in how they live and what they do. Man, I'm blaming you for this. Like I can't see, my eyes are sweating. <clears throat> Here's my encouragement. Eight years, you know that there are many church plants that never get this far. Many churches that are born and they never live this long. So for you to be sitting here today in this room, being a part of this amazing church that God is using in this part of the state, in this part of the country, in this part of the world is a powerful moment. May I just, may I just beg you, do not bow. Do not let the culture pressure you to bow to what they say is right. May I encourage you to stand in the face of an ever-changing culture for the name of Jesus. It's not about Connection Church. It's not about a denomination. It's not about a group. It's not about a church name. It's not about a pastor. It's not about a set of leaders. Listen, the job of this place, of this body of believers, is to make the name of Jesus famous in all of the world. So do not bow, because our God is able. He can walk through the fire with you. He can help you in those times when it is difficult, when you are overwhelmed by what's happening around us. Listen, there is peace in the midst of the storm because we are walking with Jesus through the fire. So church, just don't give up. Keep pressing forward. Keep believing that God has people in this city who need to know him, that, that there are marriages that are crumbling now that God wants to bring into this family and you love them back into being married forever. That there are people who feel disconnected that need to find a home, a family in this place. So this, these doors, my prayer for you, these doors are always open to those who are far from Jesus so that they can find the power of the gospel in their own heart and their life. Secondly, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have to do the same. 
The church is not a building. I, I'm so excited. I get excited when, when churches that I have seen planted and start, you get a building. And I walked in this place last night and I was just overwhelmed. I, I just couldn't believe what God has done to bless you guys with this property. But you know what? It's not about this property. If this burns this afternoon, you guys are still the church. This is still Connection Church. You are the church, but do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and prove the will of God, His good and perfect will. Stand strong. Guard your heart. Guard your marriage. Guard your family. Love the people who are around you. Be willing to share the gospel wherever God gives you the ability to do that because you are the church. You are the people who are going to make a difference. God could do all of this on His own, but He chooses to do it through us. Don't miss it. Don't miss being a part of the gospel going forth in Sioux Falls and in eastern South Dakota and to the states surrounding here. Don't, don't miss being a part of what God wants to do through this place for His glory and for His honor. Then lastly, if I could say this, if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Doug, I don't know anything about what you're talking about, what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I don't know what it means to be a Christian. I, I'm still, I, I, maybe I know some of that and, and it's not good. Like my, my experience with church is negative. My experience with uh, organized religion is, is crazy. And listen, I get that. I understand that. I've, I've actually been a part of churches that I didn't want to invite people to because it wasn't healthy. But what I can tell you about Connection Church Sioux Falls is this. But this is a healthy place, and it's safe to be not okay here. It, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have it all figured out. In fact, in a room this size, can I just promise you, we're just all messed up. Can, can you agree with me? Like, like we're, I mean, we are messed up. We, we are sinners in need of a Savior. We, we need the grace of Christ because we are a mess. So if you think, man, I'm the only one here who hadn't got it all together, I can just promise you, you are not alone. <laughs> Like there are people all around you who haven't got it figured out and we are just praying every day that we can be more like Jesus. And if you're here and you have never experienced the hope of Christ in your heart, can I tell you that we would love for you to discover who Christ is and what the gospel means. And the gospel is the story of what Jesus did for you. It's personal. I, I told people if, uh, as, as we talked about Easter, that Easter's personal because Jesus did that for you. And if you're here this morning and you've never experienced the power of God in your life and you want to talk with somebody today about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, then I want to encourage you, man, don't leave today. You can talk to me. You can talk to any of the leaders here at the church, anybody with the Connection Church shirt on. I'm just making them available to you today. You can click that QR code on the back of your seat. We just don't want you to leave here today if you need Jesus because there's nothing better that's ever happened to me than my relationship with Jesus, and I would love for you to experience that today. Connection Church, thank you so much for allowing me to be here today. I just love to pray for us as we close this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you that none of this is about us. Lord, this church is not about us. This, this movement of church planting is not about us. Lord, we, we can't do any of this. We depend solely upon you. And we don't want to make a name famous. We don't want to make a leader famous. Lord, we want to make Jesus famous. 
And so, Lord, I just pray that you would, Lord, fill our hearts with inspiration this morning. Lord, that we would know what it means to follow you every single day of our lives. Lord, I pray that we would be inspired with the words this morning that you are able. Lord, I just feel like in a room this size that there are people who are, they feel like they're walking through the fiery furnace, Lord. They feel like they're under pressure. Lord, I pray that this morning they would not feel alone. They would feel your presence in their lives. Lord, I pray for um, Connection Church Sioux Falls. Lord, thank you so much. Eight years to God be the glory. Lord, for all that you have done. Lord, thank you so much that you have put this church body in this place. And Lord, that they are continuing to share the gospel with people who are far from you. So Lord, I pray today, Lord, that there would be uh, many, many more lives changed. People professing their faith in you and becoming followers of Jesus that are devoted to you through the work of Connection Church. But Lord, I pray even more than that, that Lord, that there would be a ripple effect across eastern South Dakota into the states surrounding here and even around the world that would come out of this place. Lord, thank you for uh, Pastor Jonathan and his family and Lord, the work that you're doing through them. And Lord, I pray that you protect them and bless them. Lord, I pray that you would use this church in a mighty way. Lord, I pray for those who may be here today who are hurting. Lord, uh, there's some here who do not know you, and I pray that if today is the day that they come to salvation in Christ alone, Lord, I pray that that will, will happen. Lord, however they need to reach out, Lord, I pray that you give them courage to do that. And Lord, today that you would save them. Lord, I pray for people who are just hurting in this room who may know you. Lord, you've told us that you will not leave us or forsake us. And so, Lord, I pray that there are marriages that honestly today may be the last day. Like, we're going to go to church and give this one more shot. Lord, I pray that today you give them courage to reach out for help. Lord, if there's someone in this room who's, who they're hurting and they feel like they're the only one or they feel like they're alone, that nobody knows who they are or what's going on in their lives, Lord, I pray that you would help them to know that you are here for them and this church family is here for them today. Lord, that they would have the courage to reach out for help. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the gospel that has transformed our lives. And I pray that we reflect uh, the gospel in what we say and what we do and how we live today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.